Another episode of The Blackout coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. And it's a big one this week, as I have with me again, Alan Denton. He's Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black, and we're here with you for the Bowl Pick'em Preview episode here on The Blackout. Alan, how are you? I'm great, man. It's time to go bowling. Football for, we've got football for like three more weeks. Cherish it. Love it and uh, watch every minute of it that you can. Absolutely. It is going to be a blast here over these next few weeks. If you haven't heard about it, Alan and I are hosting a group on ESPN's Bowl Pick'em. You can join it. You can find it by searching for the Blackout Podcast on ESPN's Bowl Mania. And the password for it is Belly Up Sports. Spaces in between all the words with a capital letter at the beginning of each one. There are nearly 50 people in there, and we're looking for more. So join if you can. Alan, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's look at what we accomplished in our final week of the ESPN uh, regular season pick'em last week as uh, we finished out our years. Uh, did you go ahead and cruise on to victory in your group as you kind of alluded to you were heading into the final week? I did. I did. I ended up winning by uh, double digits. And Nice. Um, yeah, it was It was nice. And, and, and here's the deal. The, the guys behind me were down by 11. And so they had to take some risks. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to win it, you got to take risks. They took some risks. And because of that, the, some of the games didn't swing their way. And so I was able to, to pull away pretty significantly and coast to an easy win. But uh, I'll, I'll take that dub. Absolutely. How many points did you score in that final week? And uh, what was your record in the games? Uh, scored 50 points and went 9-1. and one. I, I missed the Central Michigan and uh, Miami of Ohio game. That was my five way, way overvalued <laughs> them. And, uh, but other than that, not a bad week. Not, how, how yourself? not a bad week at all. I'm the exact same. I went nine and one, but I got a few more points than you did. I went 53 points on the week, only missing my two point <laughs> oh. game. And it was the same one. It was Miami of Ohio and Central Michigan, but that was the one that benefited me the most. Uh, because like I told you, I went into the final week, I was down one point, I was in second place, and uh, I came away with 53 points, my second highest score of the entire season, and it was good enough to earn me a tie for first place in my group. How about that? Clutch. <laughs> Clutch. So, it's the ring. Let's go. Yeah, dude. So I had Central Michigan at a two-point value. The leader in our group had Central Michigan at a three-point value. So I earned the one point I needed to be able to get a tie for first place. I ended up with 675 points on the season. That averaged out to exactly 45 points a week, only missing an average of 10 points a week. I'm happy about that, but I know you did better than me. So next year, I'm going to be chasing you down. What was your best pick, and what and what was your worst pick of the of the final week? Uh, best pick was Boise at an eight. I got a lot of value on that one. Um, just they were they were great, and um, and the, one of the games that I I was able to swing the most on um, was I had Oklahoma at a one, and the guys in my league that were behind put Baylor pretty middle of the road to high oh yeah and so that was the game that sealed the deal so most impactful game 
that one the the best overall pick was Boise at an eight though very nice dude I'm telling you I went with my best pick it came out with the the exact uh, tip I gave on this episode leading into the final week I told everybody slide LSU up your board and I moved them way up man I moved them up a couple of spots higher than I would just off the matchup based off the point spread I had LSU as my eight pick they won the game over Georgia 37 to 10 it came to fruition I loved it easy Easy value for me there. My worst pick, look, I was trying to make up the one point any way I could. This was terrible, but it ended up not hurting me. I went with Ohio State as my 10 pick. You know, they had played <laughs> Wisconsin earlier in the year. They dominated. I was going, man, I know everybody's going to have Clemson at a 10, but if there's a shocking upset somewhere, we've at least seen Ohio State beat Wisconsin before. And I figured, hey, let's flip-flop those two. Because if there's a shocking upset, maybe it would be Clemson against Virginia. But uh, I was sweating that thing out, you know, when when Ohio State's trailing 14 nothing, when they're trailing 21-7. Uh, but they did come away with a 13-point win. So it didn't end up biting me. Uh, but I'd say having Ohio State at my 10 pick was my worst of the week, even though I think there was some good logic in it. Oh, I agree with you there. I had Ohio State at a 9. And uh, it's like they they honestly kind of just – I think they realized they had beaten these guys and they just didn't come prepared to play that first half. They were clearly um, not as sharp as as they had been and were in the second half. And I was seriously worried that game was going to swing the other way. Um, though I, I, I honestly, and this kind of sucks, I'm not sure that it would have mattered in the, the playoff picture, though. Um, I sure. still think they would have probably gotten in. Um, my worst pick of the week is I way overvalued Central Michigan, and I went <laughs> undervalued uh, Florida Atlantic. I had them at a two. Oh, wow. I thought that Kiffin leaving would have an adverse effect and it did not they obviously played hard for him and just trounced uab love it dude congratulations on the win in your pick'em group i you know i have to take a little credit myself even though i was just a tie for first place uh but it still counts and uh it's an awful lot of fun way to head into the bowl season so now Let's get rolling. We've got a long slate of bowl games ahead of us. Like you said, the next few weeks are going to kind of be madness. What is the top storyline for the 2019 bowl season that you're looking at? I, th- I think it has to do with, um, the, I, you know, this is pretty cliche, but the, the playoffs are really good. But I, I think the, um, there's a lot of sneaky good matchups, a lot of really good matchups. I think the top storyline is the fact that there's – Outside of the top echelon of teams, there's great parity. I saw this stat on CBS Sports that of the 39 games on the uh, 2019-2020 college football bowl schedule, that only six of them featured lines of 10 points or more. Wow. Which means that the – and one of those is the playoff game, Oklahoma and LSU. Yeah. Which is nuts. So the, the LSU is favored by double digits there by, I think, close to 13. And so one of the biggest things is that this is a really, really tight, um, evenly matched um, bowl season. Dude, it's a really impressive slate of games. And I, I told you in kind of talking what we're going to go through on this episode, I told you, man, I think there are an awful lot of games in which I'm looking at some upsets. 
more so than I would have thought coming into this thing and, and more so than I would normally look at in a bowl slate. Uh, but it's going to be an exciting bowl season. Uh, my top storyline for the 2019 bowl season is I'm just looking at the playoff itself. I told you already, I think this is the best collection of four teams we've seen yet. I know the first season was pretty solid, uh, but I was very, very skeptical about Florida State in the first year of the college football playoff. This year, I think we've got four solid teams. And while Oklahoma, like you said, is a double-digit underdog to LSU, and I think reasonably so, I still think that team, if they can play a clean game, something they've had a hard time doing against good competition, I think they could really make a heck of a game of it with LSU. And, and I just think you've got three really, truly talented teams that really can go out and win a national championship. And if Oklahoma shows up and plays well and plays a clean game, then heck, you could have two excellent semifinal matchups. I agree. These has these have the the ability to be some of the best, two of the best semifinal matchups that that we've seen to date. Um, and so I, I cannot wait for those games on the twenty eighth. All right, dude. The reason we are here and the reason the podcast is taking a change is because we are specifically looking at these. Pick'em competitions. This one this year coming on ESPN, and we are going to go through the slate. We're going to give some tips. We're going to give some picks for what we're looking at and helping people out and evaluating their slate because it's a lot of work to go through all these matchups and figure out who's going to win these games. <laughs> it's a ton of work. But, Alan, yes, it is. I want to know, and the people want to know, uh, you know, we're getting this thing started this Friday and Saturday, the opening weekend, December 20th and 21st. I want to know what your top matchup is, what your most exciting game is you're looking forward to in those first two days. Uh, what matchup are you looking forward to and who do you have winning it? It's got to be that Boise State versus Washington game. right? Yes. The, the Chris Peterson Bowl. Yes. Um, man, I, I've got Washington in this. I think they're going to fight for the coach. And I've got them around at, at 10 or 15. I, I feel well enough about though. I think Boise State's a good team. I think that the talent will win out and the edge of Washington wanting to send out Chris Peterson on um, the right track. I mean, and, and but Boise's going to want to keep him from going out on the right track. I'm exactly with you. I called it in my notes. I have it written down as the honorary Chris Peterson Bowl. You know, he used, <laughs> he used to coach Boise State. He now coaches Washington. It's not only that. It's the fact that it's his last game he coaching Washington. So it's a perfect matchup for Chris Peterson and what he has going on. Uh, I figured you were probably going to be on the same page. That was my top matchup as well. So I'm going to go another direction, and I'll just give out another tip. I like the Boca Raton Bowl, SMU, FAU. Right now you're looking at it. FAU is only about a three-point underdog. Both teams really good. Both teams really talented. But SMU has really played some better competition, I think, than FAU throughout the season. They also uh, have the edge as far as some of the talent, I think, offensively. And then you look at Lane Kiffin, the head coach of FAU, leaving to go to Ole Miss. I think that's probably going to take something of an effect here, and I think yeah. it makes enough of a difference that you can boost SMU maybe a little higher than you would typically in looking at this matchup because right. I think it is talent on both sides, and I think it could be a close game. But I'm going with SMU, and I think you can slide it up the board a few spots just because of Lane Kiffin leaving for Ole Miss. I agree. That's see, that's one of the big secrets. You've got you've got to track a couple of things throughout bowl season. You've got to track the coaches who've left. You've got to track the teams that are just that really don't want to be in their type of bowl. And kind of like I think Georgia last year against Texas. Now 
you know, Georgia still played the game. They should have played better in that game. But I, I don't know that they were all that jazzed about being there. And Texas took advantage of that and just beat them, right? And uh, and so that that's something. And you got to watch for players that that aren't going to to, to they're going to pull out and and not play for a variety of reasons. So Absolutely. you've got to kind of do a little bit more research on these. And that's a that's a sneaky one where you can you can pick up a few points by doing exactly that because Florida Atlantic is probably going to be a bit of disarray because um, Kiffin's already gone and recruiting for Ole Miss. Now, as we slide through the bowl slate, we're going to look at a lot of the best matchups. Uh, before we get to the New Year's Six, Alan, I want to know what you're looking at as far as the best matchup outside of the New Year's Six. What matchup is it? And again, who are you looking at winning the game? Okay, so I've got Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl. So on the 27th, um, find your way to the couch. Um, and, I, and I've got Okie State probably somewhere between 7 and 15. Gundy is 9 and 4 in bowl games, and A&M's kind of limping to the finish line. Yeah. you you got to feel like they just kind of want it over, right? You've got guys making NFL decisions already. To me, that's a that's a that's like my red flag alert for bowls go up when I see guys making decisions for the NFL already uh, on a team. And, uh, and so I've, I've got Oklahoma state. I think Texas a is the more talented team, but this is, and you know, they're going to play in Texas, but I think that's going to be a fascinating game. Like that is my can't miss game. And then I, I think a sneaky good game is Navy versus Kansas state. Um, and I've got Navy winning that, but very, very low. Yeah, man, I'm with you on both of those, especially that Oklahoma State game. I was stunned when I saw the line come out for Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. I think the last I saw, Texas A&M's like a seven-point favorite in that game, uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm with it with you completely. I like Oklahoma State to come away with the win. Like I said, I'm looking yep. at a lot of upsets in this bowl slate. For me, my top matchup outside of the New Year's Six, I'm going to the Citrus Bowl, Michigan and Alabama. Alabama is oh, yeah. a seven and a half point favorite. Look, I, I know that it's kind of a big favorite. I know it's not one of those small lines, but the storylines in this game, Alabama was kind of on the verge of potentially making it to the college football playoff. They're sitting out for the very first time in those terms. And you've got a Michigan team that, as the season went on, started figuring things out. Shea Patterson, Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, they've been slowly figuring things out. But I'm taking Alabama in this one. I'm just kind of banking on that offense and the talent it has causing too many problems for Michigan's defense. But you've also got to sit here and wonder the question surrounding, is Alabama going to get up for this game? Are they going to be sitting there going, man, we're kind of disappointed we're not playing for a national championship? On the other note, do you have a bunch of guys leading up to kickoff saying, hey, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to go to the NFL draft. I want to stay healthy. Those are things you're going to have to watch for. But today, right now with how things look, I'm going with Alabama over Michigan at a reasonably high confidence level, maybe like a maybe like a mid-level pick. Yeah, I would agree with that pick. And here's the thing. I'm used to being able to – on during the regular season and bowls, having Alabama as one of my just easy top five games. And like, I know I'm going to get those points because they're consistent. They never get beaten by underdogs, but this is the first time they've had to deal with this kind of situation. And um, I'm fascinated by, by whether they're going to be dialed in or not. And cause I think Michigan will be dialed in. Um, 
so I, I could see a scenario where Alabama gets their, you know, they they, they get some teeth knocked out. <laughs> in that game. But at the same time, if if they're dialed in, they are they they are at least a ten point favorite, in my opinion. That would be in a normal scenario, that would be a double digit line. Probably what's sandbagging that line is the fact that Vegas doesn't know if Alabama wants to be there. Yes, absolutely. And like I said before, you're going to have to watch and see if a lot of these receivers and different guys for Alabama are actually playing in the game because that is going to be a huge factor. But so far, I haven't noticed anything as far as announcements on that end. I haven't either. But yeah, you you better watch that. And and that's the thing about these these bowl games. Uh, these these bowl games don't freeze until that game kicks off. So yes. continually look and update your picks as that new information comes out. You you can't just pick it and walk away from it. All right, dude, let's move into some of the biggest games that we will see throughout the entire bowl season. We're going to move on to the New Year's Six. So let's go ahead and start with the Cotton Bowl. We've got Memphis and Penn State. The Nittany Lions are sitting about a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you like in this matchup? Penn State, big. Oh, Norvell, Norvell ain't coaching. I'll have probably Penn State somewhere around that twenty-five to thirty range. That is nuts, man. I love it. Uh, I am telling you, I think this is one of the ones in the New Year's Six. I think people have to have it as low as possible. I, I know what you're saying. Norvell's gone. He's not even coaching the bowl game. But frankly. I think you look at Memphis, I think they have a lot of offensive skill players that could start on Penn State's team, really legitimately. Kenny Gainwell, DeMonte Coxie, Antonio Gibson, I think those guys are studs, and I think if Memphis gets up for this game and has a good game plan, I know the head coach is going to be gone, headed to Florida State, but I think there is serious potential for an upset in this one. Right now, I have Memphis picked in mind, but it's going to be very, very low because you have Penn State about a touchdown favorite um, but man, I'm telling you, I think it should be low on the board. <laughs> I, I can understand that. I really, I, I really just think that, um, you know, if, if Norvell were staying like Scott Frost did a couple of years ago, yeah, when they beat Auburn, then it's like one last time for the Gipper, that kind of deal. And they yeah. rally again, but, but with Norvell being gone, I know that they've promoted their interim coach to the head coach already. Right. Um, but at the same time, this is a this is a pretty big ask on his end to to go against a pretty talented Penn State team. Um, I I just think that this line. It, I understand why it's around that touchdown favorite, but I've got them probably closer to a two touchdown favorite. It will be interesting to see. I just like Memphis's offense and their skill players. I think they're going to give Penn State some problems, and I think when you saw Penn State face some talented offenses this year I think you saw them give up some points and give up a lot of yards so I don't think they're unstoppable on the defensive end and I think Memphis has kind of the pieces needed to be able to make this a very close game it's gonna be fun to watch either way though let's go ahead and jump into the Orange Bowl Florida and Virginia the Cavaliers about a 14 point underdog what do you see Alan even though this line is pretty large I I like Florida in this game, but it makes me uncomfortable. I think Dan Mullen's an incredible coach, but I, I think that 14-point spread may be a bit too big for my own comfort. So I'm thinking Florida probably somewhere between that 15, 20, 25 range, something like that. Um, it has to at least be midway because a line that big, you can't afford not to. Um, 
but I have a ton of respect for Bronco Mendenhall. And um, even though just Clemson slaughtered him. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just think that, that Florida is going to win, but it's probably going to be as, as Lee Corso um, uh, you say, you know, it's, it's closer than the experts think. <laughs> Dude, we are going to have some fun with this because I'm going kind of the opposite end like we did on our last one. I like Florida big in this one. Like you said, the 14-point favorite. Uh, I'm going based off of what I saw from Florida during the season. You know, midway through the year, I never really thought it was going to happen, but you had people in Florida talking about this team possibly making a run to the SEC championship, maybe finding their way to the college football playoff. Then they lost to Georgia. And I thought, man, this thing could kind of fall apart late in the season. You know, they've just lost their second game. They could be in trouble. But what did Florida do late in the year? They played Vanderbilt, beat them 56-0. They played at Missouri, beat them 23-6. They played Florida State, beat them by 23 points. I like how Florida responded. I like how they finished out the season. And they've got receiving talent. Virginia has injuries in the secondary that they dealt with all season. Along with that Florida defensive line, it can give some problems to kind of a one-man offense and uh, what Virginia sees on uh, the offensive side of the ball at the quarterback position. So I like Florida big in this one, and it's going to be one of my higher confidence picks throughout the bowl season. I like it. I like it. You got. I mean, you have to have high picks, right? You can't have them all at 20. So <laughs> one that value-wise makes a, a ton of sense if if you're uh, you know you're bullish on on Florida, which you know I, I understand. I mean they. Uh, they played really well in their bowl game last year. Well, I mean, it's like you said, there aren't a ton of games in this slate that are 10 point or higher point spreads. And so, uh, you know, there are obviously going to be times where you shouldn't trust the point spread. Sometimes you think it one should be lower than it's marked, or sometimes you need to bump up a single digit spread because you think it's a higher confidence game. Uh, but this is one that I like an awful lot. Let's go to the Rose Bowl, Wisconsin, Oregon. Wisconsin sitting about a three point favorite right now. Alan, who do you like? Dickie V says, it's an upset, baby. I'm serious. I'm serious. So we got Wisconsin. I think it's going to be, uh, I'm going to have it low, obviously. So Chris, Paul Chris' last bowl, loss in a bowl game was 2012 at Pitt against Ole Miss. He's beat Miami the past two years. Um, and the Oregon won uh, in the bowl game last year, seven to six against a mediocre Michigan state team. Um, you and I have discussed on this very podcast before how we just are not bought in on Justin Herbert, um, old, old Sherbert Herbert. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Wisconsin to just smash them in the mouth a few times. It's going to be close. And, uh, you know, uh, Oregon's going to get their points, but I'm thinking, Wisconsin low. Man, this one's going to be fun, and we are going the opposite a lot of ways. I'm going the same low value, but I'm going with Oregon on this one. You know what? I don't know. Wisconsin's been a solid team all year. Oregon's been inconsistent, but I really like the way Oregon played in the Pac-12 championship. And man, they went up against maybe the best defense they faced. They could have faced all year in Utah. They'll see something similar against Wisconsin, and I like some of the skill talent that Oregon has. So I'm going with Oregon in the upset as about a three-point underdog. And uh, you know what? I know you can't trust Justin Herbert week in, week out, but I'm going to say with a lot of preparation, I'm crossing my fingers, I'm going with the Ducks in this one with the upset. 
I like it. I like it. You know, it's it's going to be fascinating. That's a game that legitimately either team could win. And some of it's just who executes. Oregon has, I think, better skill talent. But I don't know that Oregon is going to want to keep lining up and hit um, have to hit Jonathan Taylor in the mouth for four quarters. It is going to be really interesting to watch. Let's go on to the Sugar Bowl. Georgia and Baylor, another mega matchup, top 10 teams. Alan, who do you like in this one? Oh, man. I don't feel good about this at all. So I'm going to very reservedly, very timidly say Georgia. I'm going to go low, (laughs) very low. I think defense travels, right? And they've got a great defense. Both of these teams actually have great defenses. And so if they show up, I think they could legitimately win by a couple touchdowns. You got to think Fromm has to, you know, he's going to have something to prove. Um, I mean, there's four times this year that Baylor hasn't put up more than 24 points. And there was one more time against TCU that it took him three overtimes to get past it. And so I I just think that – Georgia's defense is going to is going to suffocate Baylor's offense if they want to be there. And that's that's the big if, right? <laughs> you don't really know. So where where are you going on this one? This is one that I'm with you. I don't feel good about it. Part of it is the fact that uh, you're looking at Georgia being like a seven and a half point favorite. When I saw these two teams match up, I was thinking in my head it might be like three somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a little high. I'm going with Baylor in an upset. But like you said, I think it's a low-confidence pick. Uh, I don't know where it's going to fall on my board. I think I might have it uh, in the single digits right now. Uh, but yep. it's going to be something that I'm going to have to play at, play with as I go through my slate and look at it as the season goes on. Uh, but I'm looking at Georgia in a, an offense that has struggled, I think, a lot this year and struggled against good competition. Like you said, both these teams have good defenses. And so I think that Baylor can cause some problems for Georgia. I think that Georgia can cause some problems for Baylor. But I'm going to look at Baylor and go, you know what? I think they've got a little bit more dynamic ability outside. Denzel Mims, Tyquan Thornton at wide receiver. I think they've got some talent there. And I think they've been much more consistent in that area offensively than Georgia has. I think they give a little bit more of a problem to Georgia than Georgia does to Baylor. So I'm going with Baylor in the upset. If here's the deal, especially if if I get wind of like DeAndre Swift not going to play or something like that, I, I don't, don't bet your bottom dollar. I could probably switch that one. Yeah, and you know I wouldn't feel good about it either way. This is truly one of those fifty fifty type games. Um, but you, you, I, I just, I think that Georgia is going to want to show up, especially after the way that they ended last year. I think they're going to want to show up and, and prove something. We'll, we'll see the, what kind of chops Kirby's got after getting his butt whipped in the SEC championship game. Let's move the New Year's Six onto the college football playoff. The Peach Bowl, Oklahoma and LSU. I think we've already alluded to this one a good bit, but Alan, what's your take on the Tigers versus the Sooners? I got LSU big. I do. I think they got too much offense and a defense that's finding its footing. Um, you know, Oklahoma's played in six one-score games. They've only lost one. So in some in some ways, that's a credit to them. In some ways, I think they're kind of lucky. I mean, you got Jalen Hurts. He's you know they show this on ESPN all the time. He's thirty-eight and three as a starter, and he's never lost to LSU. 
Um, <laughs> but but, but I, I think there's a there's a first time for everything. I, I did see this stat that I thought was fascinating. Speaking of um, uh, Oklahoma's offense, and this is from Pick Six Previews, it said this decade of the total 1,263 teams and offenses, only three in this decade have averaged over eight yards per play. 2017 Oklahoma, 2018 Oklahoma, 2019 Oklahoma. Dude, so, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, so hashtag okay, Boomer. <laughs> this is a fun one. You know, I talked earlier about how if Oklahoma can uh, play a clean game, I think they could make it close. But really, frankly, we've seen Jalen Hurts again and again in their biggest games this year. I think he's really had some turnover problems. Honestly, I don't think he should have been the runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. I think they've won in spite of him a number of times. I think you can look to both of the uh, matchups against Baylor and really find that, even though they found things clicking at different points. uh, And they're dangerous when they do. Uh, But Jalen Hurts has fumbled the ball. He's thrown some bad picks at times. And I think that's a bad recipe against a talented LSU defense. Even though they've had some trouble, they're going to give up points in this matchup. But they've got a talented secondary. And my goodness, I cannot wait to see what you have between Derek Stingley, the true freshman defensive back, the cornerback for LSU, versus CeeDee Lamb, Oklahoma star wide receiver. It is going to be a joy to watch. Those guys are so good. I mean, Derek Stingley, I mean, Gary Danielson was just having to hide himself at how much he loved that guy during the SEC championship game, and deservedly so, right? Like, yeah. he, he was remarkable and, and just kept making play after play. And uh, But, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, uh, he's, he is so electric with the ball in his hands. But, uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts has to learn how to hold on the freaking ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's a senior, and he's just he just coughs it up way too many times. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking LSU, and it's going to be a pretty comfortable pick for me. I think right now I have it on my board maybe, I'm kind of guessing, I'm trying to remember where I have it, maybe around 25, maybe a little bit higher than that. Uh, but I think LSU comes away with this one. And you mentioned the stat, you know, Jalen Hurts has never lost to LSU, but he's also never played an LSU team with this dynamic offense, okay? <laughs> it's, right. it's been revolutionized one year later, and it is a remarkable offense on that side of the ball. It's just, it's just amazing to see what LSU has done this year. So he has never faced an LSU offense that has anywhere near the playmaking potential that this one does. That's exactly right. I mean, this, this LSU team – the, what they were able to do against what I consider, you know, and statistically is a top five defense against Georgia was pretty remarkable. I mean, Joe Burrow is, is, is he, he was a deserved Heisman winner. I mean, he really was easily the best player in all of college football this year. Absolutely. Let's move over to the other semifinal, the Fiesta Bowl, Clemson and Ohio State. Right now, the Tigers about a two-point favorite over the undefeated and for much of the season, number one Ohio State Buckeyes. What do you like in this one? I got old Dabo. He's going to be whining and crying all the way to another victory, <laughs> going back to the, the the championship game. I think their defense is legit. Um, I think they're going to be able to make um, Ohio State one-dimensional. I mean, it's remarkable. They haven't given up more than 20 all year, and that was to UNC when they gave that up. They've given up 14 or less points 11 times. 11. I mean, that's stupid. 
and they've scored 50 out of the five of the last six. I mean, they are really rolling at this point. So I've got Clemson over Ohio State. You mentioned this a couple weeks back that we when against a really, really, really good defense. Will Justin Fields be able to win it with his arm? And in my opinion, the answer is going to be no. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. How high of a confidence pick do you have this one right now? Uh, that's going to be probably 10 to 15, something like that. Okay, I understand it. As of right now, I, this is another one that I feel very, very, very unsure about. I've liked Ohio State all year. I've said a number of times I think they're the most complete team in the country. Uh, but does that hold up? And like you said, Clemson's offense is just rolling at this point. Uh, a, a note that I picked up on another podcast that I listened to from time to time mentioned that uh, the difference between this Clemson defense, while they've been very impressive and haven't given up a lot of points, is that this year's version has a lot of humans on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> and, and in the past, they haven't. Uh, I still wonder. True. I still wonder what's that defensive line going to do against a dynamic rushing attack in Ohio State. Look, I, I don't think Justin Fields was near 100% in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, and I think he's going to get a lot more healthy over these next couple of weeks leading into the semifinal. So as of right now, I'm taking the Buckeyes, but it's going to be a very low point value. I think this is a single-digit game that you should have it at. Uh, defensively, yep. right now, Ohio State going up against Clemson is really going to be a challenge, but I'm looking for Chase Young to possibly make a big difference in this game, maybe get after Trevor Lawrence some. I'm really not sure that Clemson has had the same ability to get after the quarterback like Ohio State can. I know Xavier Thomas is there. He's a freak, but I just don't think they're as talented across the board on the defensive line as Ohio State is. So right now I've got the Buckeyes, but it's so low on my board that I could flip it by the time kickoff happens. It's true, and we we really do not know. I, in all honesty, and I don't mean this in any kind of uh, you know disparaging way. I don't think we know how good Clemson is. Yes, because I I do think we know how good the ACC is, and I don't think that's very good. <laughs> Absolutely, and and here's the thing. I'll tell you this. I think we do know how good Clemson's offense is. You know, I think yes, that's been displayed. That's Going back to last season, the national championship tearing Alabama apart. They've torn almost everybody apart this year, apart from that North Carolina game. I think we know that offense is awesome. I think the question is, against the ACC, against the competition they've played, we know statistically the defense is very good, but what's going to happen when they are pressured a little bit? And if Justin Fields is 100% and isn't wearing a knee brace and you know has the ability to make the moves with his legs that he did earlier in the season, are they challenged quite a bit more than maybe they've seen all year? I think they very well could be. I mean, between J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields, I mean, they, they are going to be tested on the edges right? Like they're going to be tested because Ohio state is going to run that football and it's going to be up to them to stop it. I, I, it's my opinion that I think they will be able to enough. They're going to make their plays, but I think they'll be able to stop it enough. But I, I could, I honestly could see that's the side of the ball that I could see myself being very wrong on because they're just in some ways against very high powered, high octane offenses. They're unproven. Yeah. All right. Now, right now, you've got in your matchup for the national championship, LSU and Clemson. Who do you have coming up on top? Got LSU winning it all. I got them. I, I, it's a team of destiny, man. And Edward, <laughs> I, I just, 
I so want, I mean, honest to God, I so want that for Ed Orgeron to be able to hoist the trophy up and give an interview like that on national television when he's so hyped up and like Roy jacked up, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I just can't wait to see what that would be like. So I, and that's not the reason I'm picking LSU. Thank you the best team. But I think that's going to be a pretty nice part of it. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, man, it's hard to tell what this LSU team's going to do. Right now, in my matchup, I've got Ohio State and LSU. Like I said, that could possibly change on the side of Clemson-Ohio State. But at this point, I'm going to go with Ohio State to win it all, a team that I think is the most complete, top to bottom, offense to defense, and uh, it's going to be fun to go throughout. But uh, it's going to be fun to work our way all the way up to the national championship here, like you said, in a few weeks. Yes, it will. And what a season Ryan Day has had in his first year as head coach, right? Like if he wins it all in his first year, now mostly with a team that that Urban built, but regardless, I mean, he he has taken this program over and it's been a seamless transition. Absolutely. It has been remarkable. Let's move on, Alan. Let's get this thing finished up. We haven't given everybody a whole lot of specifics on where we're putting games as far as sliding them up and down our boards, but right now we're going to finish things off by giving our top three confidence picks for the entire bowl slate. So if you're following along, if you're in the competition, remember these are picks 39, 40, and 41, not 1, 2, and 3. So we're going to give you picks number 39, 40, and 41, our top three, Alan, let's snake this thing. So you go ahead and start us with your number 39 pick, and then I'll go 39 and 40. You go 40 and 41, and then I'll give my final pick as we wrap it up. Okay, I've got I've got Auburn as my um, third to highest pick. I got Auburn beating the Minnesota Golden Gophers. <laughs> yeah. All right. I've got for my 39 pick, I've been going back to the Orange Bowl. We've talked about it already. Florida over Virginia. I already gave you all the reasons why. Banged up secondary for Virginia, a Florida offense that I think responded well after losing their second game of the season. I like what the Florida Gators have done. I'm going with the Gators as my number 39 pick over the Cavaliers. Moving on, I'll give you my number 40. I'm going to the Lending Tree Bowl, Louisiana versus Miami. It's the Sunbelt runner-up versus the MAC champs. Miami's offense is terrible. Louisiana, despite falling way behind Appalachian State, in the Sunbelt Championship, they came back, nearly pulled off the win. I like Louisiana over Miami of Ohio. <laughs> They're about a 14-point favorite, and I like them big. Give me Louisiana as my number 40 pick. I like it. The cojones on that. So I'm going to go with the guys that beat your Louisiana team. Uh, I'm going to go App State as my number 40 pick. They're around 17-point favorites at this point over UAB. I think UAB is extremely limited offensively at this point. I mean, the the one thing that we just don't know is how App State will respond without Eli Drinkwitz. Um, and, and that's that's the one thing. But they lost their coach last year and are 12-1 and one this year. So I don't know how much and how big a deal that's going to be. So I, I've got I like App it. State. Big. Now, what's your forty-one pick? I've got. Uh, I've actually got uh, UCF up up on my number forty-one pick because yeah. I, I think UCF over Marshall. I think UCF is the real deal. They've got a lot of dynamic um, weapons, and currently they're a, they're also a seventeen 
point favorite at this point. And so, I mean, they've been playing pretty well coming into the, the last little bit. They had one hiccup at Tulsa, but they were able to win at Tulane, just beat the brakes off of USF. Um, and, and I'm just not sure how good Marshall is. And I think UCF is a known quantity. Dude, for my number 41 pick, I'm going exactly where you went for your number 40. I like Appalachian State over UAB in the New Orleans Bowl. Like you said, the one question, Eli Drinkwitz leaving for Missouri. How does Appalachian State respond to that? Uh, but I think they're a very good football team. And just look at what UAB did in their biggest games of the season. Against FAU, they lost 49-6. to Against Southern <laughs> Mississippi, they lost 37-2. to <laughs> Against Tennessee, they lost 30-7. to UAB, look, they may have won a bunch of games, but they won it against bad teams. This is not a bad team they're playing against Appalachian State. Put Appalachian State way up your board. I thought about bumping them down a spot or two just because of Eli Drinkwitz leaving, but I thought, no way. They're far superior to UAB. Give me the Mountaineers at number 41. That's exactly right. Way better than UAB. I watched that. You know, I've mentioned on this. I'm a I'm a Tennessee fan, and I watched them against Tennessee, and I'm like, goodness. And they, this was not a when Tennessee was playing all that well, and uh, goodness gracious, they were turning the ball over left and right. I think I think that one has a chance to get really ugly. Dude, it's going to be a lot of fun, Alan. I'm really looking forward to competing against you and all the listeners of this show and beyond. It's going to be a blast as we roll through bowl season. And like I said, if you want to join the group, you can jump on. ESPN's Bowl Mania, search for the Blackout Podcast, and then the password to get in the group is Belly Up Sports. Spaces in between each of the words and a capital letter at the beginning of each of them as well. Alan, I hope that you enjoy your bowl season, and I've got to say too, people should be listening out to the podcast. Go on and subscribe on bellyupsports.com because Alan and I will be back with you once all of the bowl games wrap up right before the national championship. We're going to be doing another episode and we'll be breaking down the national championship the teams that are in it our picks for it and then we'll breaking be breaking down as well all the different competitors and who has a chance to walk away with the win in the blackout podcast uh pick them group for the bowl season that's exactly right it'll be time to show our receipts at that point <laughs> we'll see <laughs> how how uh, you know whether we ended up looking like geniuses or idiots Dude, it's going to be a lot of fun. He is Alan Denton. You can find him on Twitter at AD on the Blackout. You can find me on Twitter at TB on the Blackout. Alan, I can't wait for it. We've got games coming up this weekend, and we're going to have a lot of fun tracking with this group as we go throughout the entire ball season. Best of luck. Let's do it. We'll talk to you again right before the national championship, Alan. All right. See you guys.